welcome to the Art and Science Punks podcast, where two lifelong learners are back from spring break. And we talk about art, science, engineering, technology, and how we play with those things in our lives. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stensinger, and with me tonight and every night is my amazing punk partner. Hi, I am Rob Stensinger. Tonight, we are going to talk about quackery. <laughs> okay. BS. Baloney. But not necessarily in that order. All right. This is, uh, I think I'm familiar with making up things. <laughs> I feel prepared. You feel prepared? Mm hmm What do you want to make up? What do you want to create? What do I want to create? Um, let's see. The greatest authorities on the matter of creating things um, out of nowhere say that it's really, it's a gift that only a few people have. So you you really just... You know, it's it's either you have it or you don't. <laughs> Very good. I, I, what do you mean, really good? <laughs> I was waiting for you to tear that down and <laughs> and uh, rip it apart like a. Well, I think I need a little training. Okay, uh, right. So I I was I was begging begging a question, right? Begging a sort of uh, analytical. Um, jumping into i mean presenting something with with like a, an authoritative voice is like a really simple way to uh um try to try to avoid scrutiny right you know uh it's funny you say that a little quick tangent because we've barely even dived in but a quick tangent mm -hmm. uh, i grew up my father is a broadcaster mm -hmm. and worked in television and radio and i can remember being a teenager and my father coaching me i don't know for a speech or for something that we were doing and his big um, advice to me was, even if you don't know what you're talking about, you always have to sound like you know what you're talking about. And so just that authoritative voice, you know, you say something with confidence and strength and people don't always question it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, the it seems like I do not, I don't have any research to back up what I'm saying, but yet it... it um, it reminds me of how we have evolutionary traits that overall tend to be sort of uh, good enough ways to, to stay alive. And so if someone shows up to your tribe or your village and is, um, uh, well, if, they, if they're nervous, it may not seem like they're telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And it may seem like, well, maybe they are. Um, they are somehow their ideas or they themselves are poison, right? So avoid sure. the nervousness. Go toward the, the confidence. Yeah, the confidence. The strength. Yeah, safety. So it would seem. Nice. That's um, that. That is something that could be picked apart and questioned. So what as we're gonna, it should be as it should be. And what we're going to talk about tonight is not um, what's the buzzword right now. Um, fake news. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's not what we're going to talk about. Alternative facts. Alternative facts and fake news. What we're yeah. going to talk about is related to science. We're going to talk about, and I guess, you know, yes, we could venture into those areas, but I don't want to. Um, we're going to talk about, you well, know. Yeah, it's keeping it on the positive. There's a there's yeah. an interesting, um, there's a, an interesting, useful angle on that topic that build that it's a it's a building positive angle i overall i think right um just earlier today i was on facebook for a few minutes and shaking my head um 
at some of the things that I was seeing on Facebook, but one of the first things that popped up was a, I'm just going to call it an ad. I don't know what they call it. If an actual Facebook ad telling me um, that there are tips that I can take to spot fake news mm. and that they're working hard to kind of shut down the fake news. But in the meantime, and I didn't click on it, so I don't know if their tips are at all related to what we're going to talk about tonight. But mm. um, What's super funny is that would have been good prep. Maybe we'll, we'll take that as follow-up. Yeah. And uh, and look at it because we could do some comparison and contrast to uh, a different guide that's a bit older. Yeah, let's let's jump in and let's with. talk about uh, what the uh, what did I call it earlier? Quackery. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that we do want to talk about. Yeah, and um, there there was this document that I think it was extracted from uh, Carl Sagan's uh, Demon Haunted World book mm. and. It's it's it has its own name called uh, the Baloney Detection Kit, and I, one of my friends going through college handed me a printout of this thing ages like in my twenties, and I th- I thought this looks super interesting because this was useful. published in the nineties, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, or maybe uh, yeah. Good 80s, question. Nineties. I, th- I would guess mid to late eighties, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that's funny. Well, I guess let's look. We could look up. And Vamp, the uh, based on when Demon Haunted World was published, ninety six. There you go. Interesting. So it was, it, it was, I guess, pretty fresh at the time. And uh, yeah, so this little guide, and I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. I like, um, I like to find, I guess, techniques that somehow help me make more sense in a reliable way of you know myself and the world around me and whatnot and. And so it, it's really pretty spot on and a really neat gift for a friend to just hand me this thing that they didn't really need. And in, in reading it, 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 it's more or less, it's not, it's helpful and, and um, it would, it's reinforcing and aligned with like scientific method, but it feels a little more uh, mm, quick checklist pragmatic as to uh, I have I hear a piece of piece of information and like what 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 kind of signal am I getting from it mm-hmm. and using that and sort of a, a skeptical approach like yeah. a little um, bite sized guide to skepticism. Absolutely, and, uh, and I think useful kind of tips and, and tools. And I think the way it's presented in the chapter in the book is really around um, you know even when there's something that you truly want to believe. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think it's a very open and accepting kind of piece. Um, it's not like, yeah, it, it isn't brutal logic and yeah. someone coming from a, like a harsh philosophical standpoint. Uh, Carl Sagan was very, um, I guess, poetic and creative in yeah. his approach to sharing science. Yeah, but I still think it's a, a useful kind of, um, there's typically, I, I think, like nine different steps or nine tools that you can use. And then there's a whole bunch of kind of, um, additional pieces of common pitfalls, but, um, nine tools that you can kind of run through, like you said, a kind of a quick checklist. Okay. So do you have those nine tools in front of you? I'm, I'm curious what, uh, um, wherever possible, there must be independent confirmation of the facts. Hmm. So again, just independent confirmation is the person, you know, selling you, something the person telling you about the research on it 
one of the best techniques in selling a snake oil thing is you have a plant in the crowd, right? Oh, sure. And that's not an independent source. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Encouraging debate on the evidence by knowledgeable proponents of all points of view. So again, I think it just kind of goes to don't be afraid of hearing both sides of the story, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic. And, and for things that I believe in, that's one of the things I always look at. Mm. Um, or I try to, it can be really hard. It can be difficult to kind of read a point of view that's different from mine, but I try to, I try to do that. Ah, uh, that's, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's easy, especially with the tools we have in in the, in our current um, I don't know, this this current chapter in the information age or whatever that uh, you can filter so much. You can, and you are being provided things in a filtered way in so many venues because Absolutely. someone is trying to. Um, I mean, even in look, looking at it in a very positive light, in the spirit of service, someone is trying to say, you know what? There's a lot of noise in the world. I want to give you the most useful information from mm-hmm. what my interpretation is of what you would consider useful. And that inherently filters a lot out. And Absolutely. so those uh, those, ec- those different perspectives are, are um, you know, they, they can be challenging even though you can feel like, well, I'm soaking in information. Oh, absolutely. There must be a lot of perspectives here. Absolutely. And I think what I love about the the language here is that it's encouraging debate. Encourage mm-hmm. the conversation. And I think that's important is if you really truly want to know something and you want to get to the bottom or to an understanding of um of an of an issue or something that you're trying to decide if it is it baloney or not. Um Sorry, I just had the Oscar Meyer song run through my head. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, yeah, that's a danger. Well, I could put a link to that in the show notes. All right. It just completely so it, threw me off. It, my... This is a, no problem. And, but this is a, that the, the, this is an easy one to jump off on a tangent because it's, it has two important elements in my opinion where you, it has the, um, the openness mm-hmm. and the, um, hope the accumulation of, different perspectives which helps you break out of things like a monoculture and even if you're not all in a somewhat authoritative arrangement um complying with one another you may just already be complying through your own biases and like so try to find a way where you're you've got variety of Variety of, of perspectives. Perspectives, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this next one is, a, I think, a little more cha- can be a little more challenging, and um, to a certain extent, I think, because of our information age. But I'm curious what you thought. So, number mm-hmm. three is um, arguments from authority carry little weight. Authorities have made mistakes in the past; they will do so again in the future. Mm. Perhaps a better way to say it is that in science, there are no authorities. At most, there are experts. And mm. clearly, I'm reading an excerpt, so. We'll link to that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yes. That, uh, I think we've we've already sort of uh, pinged on that one a little bit with, uh, uh, and it, yet it's so convenient and easy. Like you found it, you find a trusted source for something, right? And then um, absolving it from all questioning and um, these sorts of habits, these you know, being a little bit skeptical. Yep. It's, um, you know, it's, it, it, there's, you're opening yourself up 
to a, a natural, real, a natural risk of, of just sort of following along with an idea that may right. not be. But even the term well like informed. an authority, mm-hmm. uh, an authority on a subject, I just I think it's challenging. I mean, even I used to rely very heavily. This is super tangent because this is not science based, but I used to rely very heavily on Amazon reviews. Mm. Right. For products. I'm like, do I want to order this or do I want to order that? And the reviews played very much into it. And now 90 percent of them are paid for. Mm. Um, and, and many of them disclose that. But it still is, you know, a challenge to say, OK, well, not that I would really think that that's my authority, but it was like, hey, that somebody's an authority on this product. It's a trusted they source, own, right? So, yeah. in in a way, you're creating a more crowded crowd authority, which is right. which we um, have greater access to and are more commonly created and available to us on different platforms. And, and, and reviews are an interesting um, an interesting source because yeah. it creates yeah things like. Um, what you want to believe about a topic and then having that echoed from, from someone it's, it's reinforcing. And, and that is a very inherently hackable thing where someone providing a product could pay folks for the reviews, even if they are being ethical and upfront and disclosing disclosing it, it it, there can be a, um, well, okay. It's creating a different monoculture. And if if that's Mm -hmm. where the critical mass of reviews are coming from, it's yeah. worth being concerned about that. So I have another um, example. Because even if everyone's disclosing, it's like now the the source has become so unified. It's, it doesn't yeah. benefit from being the, as diverse. Right. And I think there's just value to, you know, if I've paid for something, do I feel like I got my value out of it? Mm-hmm. Versus if somebody paid, gave me something, you know, and maybe they just gave me the item, maybe they paid me for my review. Mm-hmm. It's a different transaction. It is. I stumbled on this another in another place recently, um, and this is kind of funny because um, we could take this a couple of different ways. But I use a lot of essential oils, and mm. I really like essential oils, and use them for many, many, many different things. From just I want this room to smell better, to you know I have a cold, and I have a certain oil that I use when I have a cold, or mm. when the kids can't sleep, or whatever the case is. Um, but this isn't about the science behind if essential oils work. Uh-huh. This was, um, I was doing some research online about different brands of essential oil because there's some weird terms that are used in the industry around pharmaceutical grade. And I'm mm. like, what does that mean? Mm. And so I learned a little bit about the distilling process and, and this and that. But what I stumbled upon is apparently there's a bit of a turf war in some of the the essential oil communities as far as which brands. And so I'm re- and I had no idea. Because hmm. um, I do have a brand that I like and I, I use all the time, but I'm not... I didn't select it based on a whole bunch of research. It's just kind of the one I was first, I think, exposed to. Hmm. So I'm looking around at some of these other brands and like, okay, well, is there, you know, something better out there, something more cost effective? Is there something else I should be looking at? And come to find a thousand blog posts of um, people doing all of their own independent, um, air quotes, independent research on the different brands and different information they're finding out about the companies. And, you know, three of the top scientists from this company left and started that company and all these different kinds of things. But the end of every single one of these 
um, articles I read, and some of them were, you know, seven part series, um, was, oh, and here's the brand I use. Which, of course, was, mm. you know, the brand. And I get that, right? So if I'm going to write a blog post, I'm going to do all this research, I'm going to land somewhere. But now, you know what I mean? It just kind of, now you're no longer biased because that's where you landed? Or is that your independent expertise? Well, what's tough, I mean, the research isn't, uh, research isn't easy. And a lot of how we get along is, um, it good enough is is a lot of our experience right mm -hmm. so that person did enough research where they felt fine and they some some risk that they were concerned about maybe it was price and affordability for qual you know versus quality uh, yeah. or it was um ethics of the company yep. where do they have their lay, their they, farmland yes. how were they sourcing their product i mean it was i mean there was a lot and this was not just one i mean mm -hmm. i read several different um of these types of posts, which made me, that's what made me more, um, suspicious mm -hmm. is the fact that I found several of these and with different results, they all didn't point to the same company, which was good. But, um, I thought, Ooh, this is getting somewhat familiar. Well, I mean, there's missions that are counter to your, the sort of I, I, evidence you're looking for and the observations you're trying to, you know, you're trying to gather some data to make observations and have some insights and then make a decision. There are, um, if you have a, it's it's common to have a company that puts things on the internet that pays people for reviews and sure. also pays people to write blog articles. Yeah. And, or you have someone who works on your staff full time who um, helps encourage others in the community and they're paid via recognition and amplifying their signal and saying, well, we'll put you in our social media feed. There's all this kind of reciprocity that I'm not um, throwing down aspersions on but like it's important to be aware of there you go because I think that's put yourself in the shoes of that business now where you're like i need to get people aware of my product if right. they're not aware of my product they can't have any trust they will not exchange to get you know do a transaction with me until there's some amount of of uh, awareness and trust and um associating their their need or pain point or desire with what i have to offer and that's a lot of work to generate that awareness. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it makes absolutely. sense how that exists. But then knowing the the nature of that data source is not the same as someone doing like a double blind study, right? Right. And um and, and then it's that's not even like so then if you find multiple studies that provide similar insights and then then you, all of a sudden you get a really strong signal versus, you know, a few blog articles. Sure. Or a podcast. Okay, so I'm gonna go to the next one. Yeah. Okay, the next one is, and this is I think related to your double blind study a little bit. Um, spin more than one hypothesis, so have more than one idea mm. as to what could be causing, and then it goes to the scientific method, right? Um, think of tests by which you can systematically disprove each of the alternatives. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's getting really into the scientific method of, um, you know, how academic research is done, for lack of a, a better term. Well, so. and also how um, creative projects and businesses that are informed by uh, evidence. So if, if, they, if you use evidence to help drive your um, uh, decisions and designs, then 
you probably are employing some, you know, the, the, you're probably employing the scientific method and, and it doesn't mean you're great at it, but you, um, let's see. It's not like a secret formula. Like it's right. essentially finding, uh, getting to know, uh, yourself and your own biases and trying to, um, you know, get diverse perspectives and, uh, looking at your track record to try to not have in a, like this permanent case of, um, groundhog day, short term memory amnesia stuff right. going on where it's like, well, the last study said I was right. And this one said I was right. And I'm never, I'm never worried about like, did it, like why and how and and did I did I do that well enough where I could have been wrong and mm. that's I suppose that that may be a measure of um, the quality of the research where uh, hopefully it's <clears throat> it's it's not just a, a railroad track to um, reinforce your assumption that leads right to the next um, the next one. Um on my list here, number five is don't get overly attached to a hypothesis just because it's your idea. Um, it's so easy. It's so easy. You get, I get very attached to, I want something to be true. I mean, just even like big things and how I interpret them in, um, the, I don't know. Like I could literally say like, uh, like working in the game industry or like mm-hmm. being, uh, like how do I, you know, you, in some ways those become these, these big assumptions and, uh, you know, but you know, that's, that's probably a whole separate topic um, (laughs) thinking of that granularity. But, uh, but in particular, if you're just, uh, trying to be well-informed. All right. I'm going to buzz through, um, the next two, the, the next one, number six is quantify. So this is, Mm -hmm. um, use measurement. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to point to your measurement in order to know which hypothesis is, is working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love, I love never seven. And this I think is where I typically trip, uh, on my baloney detection. Um, if there is a chain of an argument, every link in the chain must work, including the premise, not just most of them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I'm a good enough. I'm like, ah, oh, that's good enough. I, okay. Close enough. <laughs> it's true. Hooray. That sounds plausible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I like that one. Um, the next one, and I'm going to say this wrong. I'm hoping you know what this is. Hmm. Occam's razor. Oh, sure. Yeah. Occam, Occam's razor. I, I consider that like a, like a heuristic or a rule of thumb. Yeah. They where, call it a rule of thumb. Yeah. That if, if a, um, if you're presented with two explanations to describe what's happening, it's likely that the simpler one is going to be more, more accurate, more likely. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Do we know why? Uh, well, I would say because it's more testable and I able bet Occam to be knows proven. why. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> because Occam said so. <laughs> and he's an authority. Exactly. <laughs> it's too easy to fall into that. So yeah, the right. Um the I, I would I would guess that it has to do with the, those those simpler explanations are easier to test ideas. I'm going to play with that one a little bit, just like in my work life, Mm -hmm. because I get all sorts of goofy explanations given to me. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going with the simpler one. Oh my gosh. This is, this is, was not part of our 
you know, I don't have a giant tangent here, but this is yeah. reminding me of the kind of inqu- in inquiry that Columbo uses. Columbo, and you are a Columbo fan. Because of, uh, let's see, the, uh, yeah, I've given a talk to where that was the whole, um, you know, thesis behind it was uh, to collaborate more like Columbo is, um, is it's full of, full of great tools and techniques to to um, to be a more compatible collaborator across different perspectives by having that sort of uh, that curiosity that openness mm-hmm. and sort of uh, that that patience to uh, to take in the different perspectives and um, and then honestly to be able to sift through them where um, yeah the simpler explanation is. You know, it's it. Colombo finds it, right? Yeah, and you know, gets the um, and uh, finds it through the exploration of of uh, not with oh, okay, Colombo is a genius and saw the whole thing in some vision and is just looking for the thread that ties it all together. It's more like Colombo doesn't even know there's a thread, and the and and you know knows that he has the skills to to explore and, and find you know, whatever it is. Um, just a tangent to your tangent. I have not looked at our demographics. People might not know who Columbo is. Well, okay. Super good point. Um, we've probably mentioned a few things that, um, okay. Columbo is a, um, it's, is it as like a story, a character, a TV series, right? Like a 1970s TV detective, right? Yeah. And I think, yep. Um, especially in the seventies was probably the heyday of that. And you had, um, this sort of, um, recurring sort of flow of an episode where instead of a, like a murder mystery of like who done it, Columbo, um, showed you in the beginning, the first act was all about, um, the, uh, a Columbo story is like, this is who did it. This is what is going wrong in their life and how they made a bad choice. You know, this Columbo doesn't know it. Columbo shows up in the second act. Mm hmm. And now you are wondering how Columbo is going to catch the the, the, bad, the bad guy, yeah, or bad. girl. Yep, exactly. And um, and so right, it was uh, Columbo was played by Peter Falk, and he um, Peter Falk also was the the grandpa in uh, Princess Bride. Um, you reading the story? Yeah, reading story. Nice. So. Anyway, he just had this really this soft demeanor. He's not the the, the greedy cop who's going to pull out the giant gun or um, fist of vengeance or something. Uh, he's he's totally just this this curious overall gentle mind, um, just just with tenacity, um, avoiding being thrown off of finding what the truth is. Nice. All right, Columbo tangent complete. <laughs> I'm happy to go on a Columbo tangent. I know. Anytime. You right. are a fan. I love that. Um, the last one um, it can be a little is a little trickier in my mind, mm. but always ask whether the hypothesis can be falsifi- falsified. Falsified. Mm-hmm. Um, so things that are untestable are not worth much. So they give an example of um, the universe and everything in it is an elementary particle. Just one electron in a bigger cosmos. Well, that's not something that can be tested. Um, so, so, can the hypothesis be falsified? So, good story, but yeah, yeah. Uh, can the hypothesis be falsified? 
So then again, it goes back to that whole scientific method of can you um, write out your steps and have mm-hmm. someone else do the same experiment and get the same results, right? I mean, that's the, the, the proof is in the pudding there when you can say, here's how I tested this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, many other people can do it and, and achieve the same result. Yeah, like repeatability. That makes a lot of sense as far as being a uh, um, having the ability to be falsified because because otherwise it's it's just a um, like a plausible story, and mm, I don't think that is uh, utterly of no value. Like a plausible story having some kind of thesis that has this sort of um, approachable aboutness to what you're trying to test and why it um that's a, a concept that, that uh came up in the book um oh gosh one of the books i mentioned them frequently um uh the upside of stress mm, by yeah. Yeah, kelly mcgonigal because um there was um and i'm trying i do not remember the gentleman's name she was referring to but um there are people in the field of psychology that had made contributions through um, rigorous observation, but without that sort of connective why, right? Okay. And so like, it's not like having a story and like some kind of narrative for the, the, the exploration is, is without value. Um, and in fact, it can be of crucial value to share your work. Like if you, Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, that's just the cover on the book and then hopefully, you know the rest has to has to live up absolutely has to be there mm. so those were the nine um kind of steps then there's a whole slew and i won't go into them but there's um 20 some pitfalls that you know people commonly you know trip up on and mm-hmm. so kind of cautions around those pitfalls but what i wanted Which, to just to put a flag on that i mean this that that could be good chat for uh, future episodes i mean and it's the whole premise of of another podcast that i love which is uh you are not so smart by oh. david mcgraney and uh because it that's the the way to another word for those pitfalls are cognitive biases and logical fallacies absolutely and of course it's a fallacy to, to know and a bias like if just because you become aware of them you do not become impervious to them oh absolutely and so yeah it talks through um common pitfalls uh, what I wanted to ask you, though, is you had read this originally a long time back. Mm-hmm. Um, what stood out most for you then, kind of reflecting on this now? If that makes sense. I'm kind what of... stood out, it's, um, it's, so, it's really fun because um, this is one of those little pieces of, of writing that um, I, have, I have great fondness for. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's it's solid writing. It's not like it's the, it's the craft that I'm in love with, but, but it's the, the, the ideas and how incredibly useful and approachable and in a small volume they are. Right. And because I would I'd revisit this and think about how I approach things. And, and I, I really believe it was um, helpful and influential that that is kind of like this narrative I have about it in my head, but then hearing it again after some time, yeah. um, having not read it, um, looking at my Evernote, I think it right around 2010 is when I started reading it again. Okay. And, uh, but you know, put it down and it's, it's funny how like rules of thumb and heuristics I have are sort of 
funhouse mirror distorted versions <laughs> of of a lot of what you what was what you listed. So it's not like it's it's gone, but I've sort of internalized it, but in in the, the game of telephone way. Sure. What would you say is the one that you the one kind of tip that you would credit to this that you use most often? Or belief or Let's see. It's tough because this is just a tool and the applying of it is where I've found uh, great use. But it's it's honestly in like you combine this with conflict re- resolution and seeking seeking common ground and but doing that in a patient way with with critical examination. And that to me has been like this. It it's in it's this tool that has helped me greatly. So it's kind of that taking all points of view, wanting to mm-hmm. hear all points of view. Yeah, but then jumping into a room where folks don't have those that common ground. Yeah. And then <laughs> it it it's important to practice how do you create a safe place where there is a, um li- there is listening and empathy for the different perspectives and try to weave them t- in together in a way that is compatible and testable and, and useful yeah, and serves yeah, uh, some things. some intent and so uh to me it's really helped with the sort of facilitation aspect of my um being a like a, a an experienced designer a systemic oh i bet you use it designer. a ton yeah. kind of doing a design workshop and helping people understand how to get the most out of what they want to build. That's right. Because everyone comes to the table with their ideas and their, their hats and their biases and filters and whatnot. Sure. But then, um, instead it's not like a, um, you can easily uh, picture or probably recall being in, in spaces where people are just kind of saying their ideas, but not integrating them. Oh, absolutely. Amongst one another. And so practicing that, the, um, the openness to because it's it's not like an instant straightforward every time it succeeds thing because even and this may sound like so soft skill it doesn't make sense i hope it's making sense because this was just a fun thing to try to pull out as a yeah like i believe this but i'm i'm just questioning am i describing it well oh i think you are okay so the uh being being in the room having the um the different parties share their beliefs of like well okay we want to make a the common situation for me is like we want to make a system we're going to build a thing and we're going to sell it whatever and mm-hmm. um we've got an idea for a business and it's this thing and yet there are different people present and there's there's not necessarily exchange among everyone in a collaborative way and like using this approach you can start to um like essentially that that checklist saying like well Okay, we've got, you've got to gather and sh- and juxtapose these ideas. Yeah, get everybody's ideas out. They can't just um, be shared in a way where they can't be observed or compared and whatnot. So that's where it can help with um, listening, facilitating visually, putting stuff on a on a, on a board, reflecting back to the group, and then that's this other like mini test within the bigger test of like, well, is this is am I hearing this? And then if I'm hearing this, does this other thing someone else said fit? And 
then you keep, you know, keep weaving and weaving. And, and can we test this? Exactly. Because I know you, you do a lot of that in, in your work. Yeah. Design um, workshops, rapid design stuff. Yeah. yeah. Is how, how can design we test sprints. this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's right. That's, that is a, um, how can we quantify it? Mm-hmm. And we've done that too. It just even in our own, you know, um, creative things that we're building. And business is a funny thing because there's this whole um, gravitational force of well transactions, and that has its own sort of evidence and easy, you know thing to observe. If you are if you're in a business that's up and running, and um, selling products and services, you already have this signal of well this is working because people are sure you know consuming it for this purpose and you know. And so it's it's uh, prone to uh, there's a, there's immense openness for science and inquiry in that space, but like not always a, a, as much of a need. <laughs> if if yeah. you don't need to ask why it's working and it's working, sure, and the money's coming in, and the, yeah, and the money's coming in and yeah. the money's there. Yeah, Fasc- but, fascinating. And, but I I find that over time there's a greater and greater appetite yeah. for that, but. Um, and it's totally, it's uh, skeptical thought and critical thinking and scientific method, you know, being applied. Yeah. And, and um, it's, uh, and honestly, I try to do some reflection to see if I'm using this well, whatever. I've shared a bunch of blah, blah stuff on this. Like, okay. And you mentioned like um, the. Well, I have one I wanted to share. Okay. I'm curious about, you know, like what, I, what stood out for you. Yeah. I'm curious about. um the interesting juxtaposition within the conversation where you mentioned the um, essential oils, right? Um, is there anywhere, any, where, where, where did you want to go next? Well, one thing I was going to talk about was what I think is interesting and in kind of going through this list and looking at this is how do you, how do you teach this um, to others? How do you teach us? And in, in my, in our case, how do we teach to the kids? And I was <laughs> reminded, this is a silly example, but driving in the car, I typically turn the commercials down, right? We listen to the music, but when commercials come on, I turn them down. Well, every once in a while, the kids are like, no, no, mom, we want to listen. We want to listen, leave this up because there's, you know, they're louder. There's some interesting, you know, sounds sometimes going on or, you know, somebody's shouting about, you know, Monday, 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 don't, don't <laughs> miss this sale, you know. And what we have found, and, and I don't know if it's the stations we listen to or our particular drive time, is a great number of jewelry ads huh. on the radio. And so I've been helping our oldest, who's seven, understand the different claims that are being made. Because she's um, very much, well, no, the authority said this. And so, you know, clearly these diamonds are better than those diamonds or, you know we all must rush now to get to get this because mm. you know happiness is is very dependent on the size and the cost of the, the diamonds they've done me a great service right <laughs> i know how to be happy i know exactly how to be happy and so this has been quite concerning to her and so i've been explaining and so now when it comes on and these these people start selling their you know hawking their diamonds she's like lies it's all lies <laughs> And I thought, okay, well, I may have turned her baloney detection kit up a tad much, but I like it. So that's one thing, just kind of when we were going through this, that, um, you know, you know, um, helping kids to understand advertising. Mm. And we had another situation like this last summer. I, I'm sure you remember. We had gone um, 
just on a for away for a weekend, but we were in a hotel. And so the kids were watching commercial television. They were watching a lot of cartoons. And so they saw a product that they just both had to have. Uh-huh. Just, you know, it was a robotic pet. Uh-huh. And so these were, you know, like the most amazing things ever. They responded to you and they walked and they talked and they did all these things. And so, and they were cute, right? I was like, all right, it's cute. And they were just obsessed for weeks and weeks. And they kept talking about these robotic pets. I forget what they were called. And so I look them up online and I remember being very shocked to find that they were like 12 bucks online and I was like "Mm, this is not going to be what they think it's going to be but eventually we we got them I don't know for a holiday or something the the kids each got one and they were broken within two days they didn't do any of the things that were shown on the on the commercial and I can remember again the seven-year-old just kind of staring at me as though she had been betrayed and I think it was a led to really great conversation around again advertising and and what does this mean? And, um, and well, and like the what I try to share is uh, what about this thing is exciting, mm-hmm. right? And there is a um, at least. It's inviting them to to start asking like what's important and why, and unboxing their own expectations, right? I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this looks enticing because it's going to follow me around the house and be the best thing, whatever. It's like, like a will it really? robotic pet. Yeah. It's going to knock over the house of cards my parents have built. Sure. I think that was in the ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, I know it's an empowering tool because yeah. it's, it's yeah, it's changing the whole balance of like. These adults and all all their adult business. <laughs> we don't build enough card houses around here. I I feel like I build a house of cards or two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean the metaphor. Metaphorically. Time. Yeah. Hold my breath now and then. That's um, right. It's uh yeah, that but that's a good lesson too. Because yeah. you know, much like um obvi- I growing up I watched lots of television. I you know, gained my own sort of strong different, you know pretty negative opinion of a lot of uh advertisement approaches and what like how do you gain your own um how how do how do you teach that well i mean somehow we have to provide experiences right well it was just, i mean it was a great experience yeah. for them to have um so i i think that's like a really awesome segue Awesome. <laughs> so, okay, I think we we took a you know fantastic walk and exploration around that topic. It's it's big and delightful and happy to revisit it. Um, we should probably do like a ten part Columbo series in there too. Yes, we'll do a ten part Columbo series, and someday we'll circle back to my love of essential oils and all of their healing <laughs> I properties. I do not mean to cut you off with that either. <laughs> like, is there? Um, is there something else you wanted to? No, uh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. No, I think okay. we're good. I think we should move on to our picks for the what night. I, what I wrote, like just as a teaser for that, I know I'm like, I'm, I just ruined the segue, right? Um, <laughs> the um, uh, My guess at the name of the topic of this episode, which I don't think fits, but it was like science feelings. Oh, sure. There you go. Anyway, we can explore more science feelings in the future. I think that's a great, yeah, no, I think we should. I think we should talk about science feelings in the future because I think I could come up with a whole list of things 
um, that I have science feelings about. <laughs> I like that term now. All right. Cool. Uh, there's a, uh, this is, it's time to do some picks. Let's right? do some we picks. Have, uh, we have an art, art pick and a science pick as is, you know, what we do. Um, and, and why do we call them picks? Because other podcasts have done this, right? Podcasts lead to, I don't know, some, some flavors of podcasts where there's commentary and then there's like a useful tool or thing shared along the way. I don't know. Okay. It just like, that's fun. Like that, that's honestly, um, what I think of. Where um, like things things like uh, the systematic podcast or uh, I used to listen to like Mac Break Weekly. Um, there's even blogs set up to where where uh, someone takes the picks out of Mac Break Weekly and oh, like no just way. shares them as their content, whatever. And because because it's neat to find out what other people think is uh, helpful and right. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Okay. How Oops. many how many bookmarks do you have saved right now? Ooh. Uh, Right now? Approximately. Over 20,000. Okay. See, I thought we did picks just because you have over 20,000 book things bookmarked and we <laughs> need someone somewhere to share some of those things. Okay. That's good. I, I, yeah. I like having an outlet for, um, for that. So thank you. <laughs> double, All right. double purpose. All right. That could be another, another podcast topic is how does Rob organize his bookmarks and this is the second matrix right where the first time i had twenty five thousand bookmarks and something happened. firefox didn't like that and oh, i can't imagine ago, I, well you know it's a, it's a bummer I, I your honestly, goal is to bookmark the entire internet isn't it no that twenty thousand bookmarks is a tiny tiny fraction of the internet little speck of dust too funny all right let's move on yeah. all right what do you've got for picks tonight okay um, well, I have a science pick. Fantastic. And um, it's, I could go off a bunch of different directions. I'm probably going to pick other things in this in this zone <laughs> because um, uh, Nikki Case makes amazing things and uh, is, uh, Nikki is a, cr- a critical thinking, game developing, uh, storyteller who um, is just doing some really cool cutting edge stuff in general. I honestly, Nikki could be a pick, right? But like Nikki, (laughs) Nikki is, uh, you know, that's sort of, uh, related to, uh, explorable explanations. So explorable explanations, when you think about, well, how do I create an experience around, well, I'm sharing some data and well, I got a chart that helps with, um, you know, encoding the data visually, in a way that the, you know, the the observer can sort of make some comparisons and um, gain some further insight for per possible um, it, you know additional digging and exploration. Like, why is this slice of the pie chart big? Why is this one small? You know, these different bars, the scatter plot. Why is there a cl- cluster here and not over there? Sure. Yeah, that data visualization. Yeah, data visual exactly. And so, explorable expl- explanations are like a type of data visualization that. Um, wraps in some some storytelling and some interactivity, which lets you create your own relationship with the data. Nice. And the overall ideas that you can are use your own data. Um, I believe that so that could be possible because um, there's um, or you can explore data that is out there. 
it's more exploring data that that's out there, and then the, the because it's explorable, it's almost like providing a test along with your hypothesis and mm. your um almost well, I guess your proposed result is testable so to see what other people conclude, right? And and specifically, like a data generation example of this is uh, simu- simulating the world in emoji. Um, no way. Yeah. And so uh, that's an article that shows how there's a, you know, a relation between um, uh, like how systems and uh, how systems influence one another, where if you have uh, like too many trees without controlled burning and then what happens, if, you know, if you're doing controlled burning versus um just letting everything get okay, but you said emoji, and it's emoji. Well, they're tree emojis, right? And there's fire, so you get to like assign oh, meaning. Yes, I have you seen assign this. Meaning to the emoji, and then like this little flow, and I you play you're... it out. It, you you simulate stuff yes. with emoji. Right? Yes, it's called. I would have called sim- it icons, but yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I suppose it, it, emoji does evoke the whole, you know. Yeah, I thought emoji. there was some like it was searching the web for emojis used and running some data analysis. <laughs> I'm like, what? Nope. Uh, it's but the uh, like a classic example I've referred to before, but it's but it's fantastic, is called uh, the parable of the polygons, and all of this is at explorableexplanations.com. We'll put a link in the, in the show yep. notes, of course. And um, the parable of the polygons is, uh, it's looking at how um, how to integrate populations just through, you know, you could think of this as uh, like, a, like a bigger social message being explored in a more approachable way. So instead of using, you know, um, belief systems and race and other, you know, culture and whatnot, mm-hmm. it's just... Uh, triangles and squares right oh and yeah. so there's some some rules in the system where um triangles um are like there's some they're the most vibrant and happy and productive when they have enough variety but um enough but not too much right where yep. they're not the only one yep. in the in the group kind of thing and so what creates stability when you have these different you know these different populations and it's you can explore that in very cool Great par- pick. Parable of the polygons and uh, nice science pick. I like it. Thanks. Well, I'm I'm curious what your art pick is. Uh, my art pick tonight is Art for Kids Hub. Art for Kids Hub. Art for Kids Hub. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. that's a cool phrase. Did you like that? Now I'm now you said it the way you said it. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> I was like, God, did I get the name wrong? It sounds like a domain I would come up with. It's like, there's a whole, it's a, it's, it's so a lot. this is what we call what in our doing? house, the drawing guy. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, the drawing guy. So these are cool. um, very, very good online drawing lessons. And the way the site de- works now is it is a subscription setup. So it's like $35 a year, but you get access to so much. You get access to these fantastic videos um, that I'll talk about in a minute, but also the printables. And the printables are fantastic because it's like a single page um, but yet a step-by-step of how to draw something. And it's everything from how to draw a princess to how to draw a banana to how to draw Pikachu. Mm. So there's a, a wide range. 
Um, and then the videos are similar and the videos are set up. It's a father in one of his kids. Um, each of the, you know, each video has a different one of the children and they're doing a step by step. And what's so nice about it is, you know, the man's a fantastic artist and his, you know, line work is impeccable, but he's also got one of his kids there drawing with him. So you're watching both drawings happening at the same time. And I found it to be really, I think, good for, um, for our kids anyway, whenever we've done the videos to kind of be able to see, you know, different skill levels, Mm-hmm. Um, working the art and doing the art. And then it's, it's, they're just, they're very positive videos. They're very, and the, the printables again are fantastic. So um, it's a fun one. I really like the work that's been done there. And then he's also got some, you know, uh, books and printables, you know, packets that you can, you can purchase too, if you don't want to do the subscription. Um, the other thing I really like is you can search, like if there's a certain type of character your kid, kid is interested in, mm-hmm. um, you can search for those. Um you can also look at um, by age. So if you have a younger child, you can kind of look at what are the good um, videos or printables to look at for that age. Hmm. So searching by age is also nice. So a printable, like what, what's, on, what's on these things? So it's the step-by-step. So mm-hmm. the printable, it's a single-page step-by-step where it kind of shows you each step along the way to do the drawing. Mm, okay. So it's yes, a visual yeah, representation. It's, the, um, it's like a sequence where element like you're constructing something more complicated by doing simple elements yeah so maybe it starts with um you know a u-shape and then the next you know then step two will have you know that u-shape is already there but then it'll have in a different color um you know maybe you're creating the top of uh, let's say it's a baby chick right Mm -hmm. so you do the top of the chick and then Mm -hmm. you're you do a zigzag line and then you know these Mm. each step along the way is kind of clearly articulated to break it down um, and I just, yeah. I find it a nice skill builder, um, for when the kids are interested in that. And I love using them cause that's how I can draw. <laughs> <laughs> I need the very concrete step-by-step instructions. So I, I enjoy the, um, the site and the principles and the videos very much myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we've had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. So that's my pick for today. Good. Yeah. Good activity. Thanks. Well, that wraps us up for today. We are the Art and Science Punks, coming to you each week with stories of art, science, and creativity, and oftentimes struggles and even successes of balancing our personal passions with work and family. Art and Science Punks has a blog at artandsciencepunks.com, and on Twitter, we are at artsciencepunks. We are also now on Instagram at artandsciencepunks, and you can find our podcast feed at artsciencepunks.fireside.fm or on iTunes. Where we would totally appreciate a five-star rating because you stuck with us this long, right? That's right. This is episode 23. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks. You can always tweet me at Kate Stenzinger on Twitter. And I am Rob Stenzinger on Twitter. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-E-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's the and... Dutch kit. <laughs> Do not get fooled.